Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Here we go with the panel part of the program. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. And our panel this Wednesday afternoon includes Peter Tabbins, MPP for Toronto Danforth, the NDP's energy and climate change critic. Peter, how are you doing? I'm doing well, John. Happy New Year. Okay, don't tell me the mics have gone out as well. <laughs> All right. It's getting uh, chilly in here, too. That was one, just me. Two. I sabotaged uh, his mic. Oh, did you? I well, turned it off. You know, it's understandable in certain contexts. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Fury, Sun Post media columnist and national comment editor. How's Anthony? Fantastic. Good. Your microphone's working as well. You got your, you got your parka on. Is the heat out as well? <laughs> Is that what's going on? The complete shutdown of all systems. I think there's been some electromagnetic pulse maybe. That's, oh, ding, ding. Well, you Could know be. about these things, don't you? I, I wrote the book on it. Pulse attack. Pulse attack. In a nutshell, again, uh, I haven't given you enough time to explain this, but give us an overview of the book because I'm sure it's doing better than Patrick Brown's book uh, at the bookstores. It probably is. 10,000 copies. It's big in Japan. Pan, and that's not just uh, a colloquialism. Yeah, the, uh, a black swan event. You know, we, we, we're living in an increasingly uh, interconnected uh, society where if uh, someone takes down the electricity grid, you're taking down more than ever before healthcare systems, finance systems, and so forth. That's the real way to cripple uh, society. And these electromagnetic pulse attacks, U.S. government's been, been uh, investigating it ever since. Uh, they did the the, the first uh, nuclear detonations in uh, Nevada, and there's a lot of experts who are saying we got to do some things to our grid because right now, someone could take down and a forest actor could take down the whole grid. Bam! Yeah, just we're uh, just like that. So the book's Pulse Attack. It's and at they, Amazon. It's kind it's of a great. how-to, Anthony. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can't read it, but everyone else can. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it's uh, been speculated by some that this may be the vanguard of the next war, or wars that are fought in the future will involve this. Seventh-generation warfare, where where everything is totally out. You know, the next war of, of, of the future, World War III, will not take 15 years, as some of the ones back in the era did, or 15 months, but 15 minutes. Bam. There you go. Anthony Fury, uh, author as well as SunPost Media columnist and national comment editor. And Tom Parkin is a columnist with a bluntly social democratic point of view. Rounding out the panel, how's Thomas? I'm doing well, thank you. All right, uh, better than your buddy Jerry Diaz, I'm guessing. Uh, he's probably a little more frustrated than I am today. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. yesterday we had him on the program yeah. and uh, in discussions, you know, about having gone to Detroit and coming back uh, very exasperated. As a matter of fact, we also spoke to the vice president of General Motors, David Patterson, who, uh, for his part, said that the company is going to do their best to take care of these laid-off workers in Oshawa. Give a listen. Part of the transition here is to offer each one of those workers that are eligible to retire uh, a a car voucher incentive to buy a new car um, and uh, also big lump-sum payout uh, benefits and... uh, ongoing benefits um, as well. So uh, we want to treat our people fairly. All right, and Jerry Diaz wasn't pleased by that, so as a counterpoint, here's what he had to say on the show. When they talk about giving workers a voucher to get a GM vehicle, you really think that they're going to close our plant in Oshawa and our members are going to proudly drive a GM vehicle? Like, if that's how 
foolish and naive the argument is. So, Tom, I'll ask you. I mean, uh, it's a serious consideration here, but it seems it's the inevitability of things, uh, which leads me to the question of whether or not, you know, private sector unions uh, in the face of closures and downsizing are relatively impotent, aren't they? Well, uh, given the the current way that things are set up and given the leadership that we have in Ottawa and the leadership we have at Queen's Park, I mean, uh, a union cannot, uh, re- you know, get an investor to invest. Sometimes they can play a role in that kind of stuff. But, you know, in, t- in terms of trying to convince GM to stick around, well, you know, Doug Ford threw in the towel and we've had radio silence from uh, Mr. Trudeau. So, well, what, know, what could Doug do differently? Well, you know, I think you'd at least give it a try because it was the very first morning after the announcement. Okay, but what does a try look like? Because this guy was emphatic yesterday. I would would suggest that, you know, it was kind of an embarrassment to our province that uh, Jerry Diaz flew down to Detroit on his own. You know, uh, there should have been the minister, the federal minister of economic development and the premier of the province on the plane with him attending beside him, listening to what was being said and seeing if there's not something to be done. I don't know if there's something that can be done. I, I, you know, it's, it, when you have a global corporation like that making a decision that's all based on money, pretty hard to move them. But, you know, we, we, uh, you, you got to try a few things, mm-hmm. and you can't just throw up your hands and say, well, well you know. Well, I Jerry says he's going to try. He's going to go. I, and I commend him. I okay. think he's got to fight as hard as he can. He's got that duty to his members. All right, Anthony, is it futile, though? I think Tom makes a really good point, though. Why was he alone? on that plane, if you're going to go out there and make some sort of an ask. I mean, there are certain elements of it that are futile, inevitable in terms of uh, the industry changing. But what really sticks in my craw, if we're going to give these guys billions of dollars back during the crash or give them uh, tons of money as we did to the Oshawa plant, the regular citizens did back in like 1860 or something, the township, I mean, that's their whole history, getting support from the community. In what way do you give back to the community? Should you be expected to give back to the community? Jerry Diaz is interested in uh, uh, if you sell it here, you got to build it here provisions and I, I, I'm not opposed to some of that because I'm a free market guy but this industry ain't free market John you know they've taken so much from us so uh, well, let's talk some things out more all right and uh, Jerry also believes there might even be legal footing to go after the company on that front you know to repatriate some of that money that bailout money that was given to them Tabins, you think there's uh, is that dog gonna hunt well only a lawyer could answer that question, but if you don't actually have a legal team assigned to that question and willing to bear their teeth on it, then you're not going to find the answer. I think that this is shocking to me that I agree with both my colleagues on the panel, uh, <laughs> that in fact GM got an awful lot of support from Canada, an awful lot of support when they started up, and a lot of support in 2008 when they are on the ropes. And the fact they've just turned their back on our province uh, is extraordinary to me. And the fact that Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford walk away from it as if this is a fait accompli is shocking to me. I mean, they have a responsibility. Even if GM doesn't think that they have a responsibility, those two leaders do have a responsibility. And they should be looking at every option that's available to them, turning over every stone, looking through every legal team they've got to say, what are the levers we have to protect this community and protect our economy? Frankly, GM, GM, Uh, if they continue this course of action, if there's a crunch for them in the future, um, the ability of any government to step in and help them stay solvent is going to be dramatically reduced. People will say, why should we give them a nickel? Because when we get in trouble, they forget about us. 
I, I will say, and this is where perhaps Peter and I will diverge, this is why we need to get all the money out of any of this sort of uh, green vehicle e-incentives and everything, because one of the big sells for why, John, we got to throw all our money at the green revolution and, you know, these cylinder-type companies and so forth is because you can have all these green jobs out there. It's going to be wonderful. And then here we are. And GM is saying they're moving towards these green jobs. But you look at that plant in Milton or Markham or wherever it is, and they're talking, you know, 500 increased jobs there, but thousands of losses here. So it doesn't equalize. And right now we're not at a net net, net better. So let's not do 2009 again. Next time they come and say we need a bailout money or we need some eco pot money from a green fund. No, no, no to all of it. Yeah, but I think a lot of this is covered. Let's face it. You've got a plant in Oshawa that has got a lot of investment. It's got an extremely capable workforce. If you want to produce green vehicles, that is a perfect place to do that. So, Well, I asked the guy from GM yesterday. I mean, this is supposedly a flex line that can be uh, yeah. shape-shifted and accommodate electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles. Yeah. Any platform says well, yes. But he says it's yeah, a non-starter. It's a flex platform, so. Right. So my, my guess is they're intent on going down to Mexico because it's a cheaper jurisdiction. Yeah. And no, then Diaz says, but Mexicans aren't buying vehicles on a per capita basis the way Canadians are. Therefore, some kind of a consumer boycott, or he's trying to mobilize people through social media and otherwise, a campaign yeah. that he's planning to mount because he's not going quietly, to your point, Tom. Uh, do you think Canadians will get behind that kind of a campaign? Could, but I, I don't think it's something that, you know, if you leave it to the individual, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out very well. When we had the auto pack from 65 to the first free trade agreement, 87, 88, it was a managed, it was a, um, it was a program that said that for every vehicle that was manufactured, uh, was purchased in the United States, there had to be one manufactured in the United States. For every one that was purchased in Canada, one had to be manufactured or assembled right. in Canada uh, so that there was flow back and forth and there was yeah. trade back and forth, but there was a balance between that. That died with NAFTA. Uh, even in the 90s, we had a pretty strong uh, manufacturing base in this province. And uh, I, I was looking at numbers recently, um, and uh, it used to be that about 20, 22%, in, in the late... Um, 90s, it was about 20, 22% of our GDP in this province was manufacturing, and now we are below nine. It took a huge, wow. huge fall. Nine percent of our GDP in manufacturing took a huge fall uh, in in the in the latter half of the nineties into the the, the mid two well, thousand. We price ourselves out of uh, well, well globalization. It, it was it was of course at the time that our dollar went way high. Right. Yeah. Uh, right so there. there's no doubt that you know that's a factor in this one. Um, and and and. You know, we can try and discuss what the issues are there, but it also was at a time, uh, not only was the dollar high and our interest rates are high, remember in 95, 96, 97, um, but uh, that, of course, also was the beginning of the opening of the door to Mexico. Right. Where they pay two dollars right. for, uh, you know, what somebody working in the plant Nosh was getting twenty five or thirty five dollars for. So, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, and there's a whole other story about Mexico. You so know, you're they don't have free though, trade the, unions. They don't have real collective bargaining. Right. They're a corrupt so system. How do, you, how do you compete with that except protectionist policies? Well, and this is a, this is a very, uh, I think, of a, a question that that uh, Diaz challenges us with. There's only two ways to go about that. Either you help Mexican workers actually have the kind of freedom 
and rights that we enjoy as workers in this country. Well, that was part of the USMCA deal. Uh, you've got to have uh, X amount of uh, unionized 16, labor. Yeah, 16%. well, they, no, the, the deal was that you had to have a $16 well yeah, wage 16. component. Right. But you know what? They're, they're never going to get to $16. They're at 2 And so, that was 75%, I think, of yeah. the... Uh, so so that yeah. was what that was doing, was protecting U.S. jobs. That wasn't trying to uh, get workers in Mexico free of these... Uh, Mexican unions are... are Well, whether it protects U.S. jobs or Canadian jobs, that would be a deterrent from uh, the capital flowing to that point of least resistance, i.e. Mexico, Anthony. And, and John, early 2017, I had a bit of an aha moment in all of this, because I was watching here in Ontario where Kathleen Wynne was making all these announcements to companies and saying, here's $200 million if you bring 120 jobs at your tech firm. And we were getting the reports back that, no, of course, they took the money, some closed shop, they never got their numbers, and we're we're just kind of stuck with it. But we still have to give them money, we have to do it again. And then I watched Donald Trump do those things with companies like Carrier, where he basically said, if you guys are out of here, I'm going to mess you up with excise taxes and this and that. Both of those, John, are offensive to my sensibilities. I don't like either of them. But one is making the people work for the corporations, and the other is making the corporations work for the people. And if I have to choose one of them, I'm going to choose the latter. So if we have to look at some sort of auto pack sort of thing, let, let, let's talk it through. All right. Uh, we'll continue to talk it through. Many more topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636, with our panel, Peter Tabbins, Anthony Fury, Tom Parkin, on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.